Hello again, everybody. I'm your host, Felipe, and this you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. And with me, as always, it's Mr. Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm struggling. I'm on the struggle bus. If you hear me cough, sneeze, whatever, yell at me, I apologize. Uh, but we're going to try and grind through this. Yeah, uh, we're both a little bit a little bit under the weather today. Uh, I mean, I'm, me, not as much as Sean. But me, I'm. Tr- I guess this is what they call a, a hangover, at, you know, at my advanced age, and I don't dig it. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. So, but we're gonna get through this. We have a lot of baseball to cover today. Um, a lot of questions that need answering, and we have a couple of series that we need to recap. Sean, the National League Championship and the uh, American League Championship series. Uh, we're gonna do the whole uh, unsung hero thing. You know, you do the pitchers, mm-hmm. I'll do the hitters. Got it. And, and for let's start with the Phillies since it's the first team I'm looking at here. And let's see who was our WPA leader. It was Bryce Harper. Duh. That's what he go, gets paid. Go, the, go figure. That's what he gets paid the big bucks. But uh, an unsung hero, not a lot to choose from because it is the Phillies. It's a very top heavy team. This is what uh, the Angels wish Mike Trout could do for the Angels. You know, just have the superstar player at the top and a bunch of uh, overpriced free agents and a bunch of no name. Uh, prospects you know like bryson stott and uh alec Baum, but uh let's go with let's go with bryson stott you know he had a 0.09 wpa so no nothing too big uh happening but he he did enough to be relevant he had three doubles uh and went four for four four for 15 uh in the L- national league championship series that's a name that most people shouldn't know about but he he basically from what I remember, he came out of nowhere to take over at shortstop for the Phillies uh, earlier this season, right? Is that how it was? Well, he was a um, – I think he was a top 100, former first-round pick out of the Vegas area. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, they, they ended the season with D.D. Gregorius, and everyone kind of knew that the patience was running very thin there. Um, they finally gave Bryson Stott a chance. D.D. was released. Bryson Stott struggled was demoted. They went out and they got uh, Edmundo Sosa from the Cardinals. Uh, but when they brought Bryson Stott up the second time around, he he performed much better. Um, I'm not sure if he sticks at shortstop. I think he might just because they don't have many other options. Right. But nice little lefty bat, good walk rate. Um, lineup clue. I mean, uh, I, I've been catching up on a lot of uh, Eno and DVR's uh, positional reviews, and I haven't listened to their podcast in forever. I've just been grinding audiobooks at work but uh bryson stott is very much oatmeal as they would say <laughs> like he, he's lineup oatmeal like he's just he, he won't do anything great but he'll get on base a couple of times good speed okay glove um my worst case scenario as a mets fan is if yeah. bryson stott turns into like chase Utley. Uh, mm. that would uh, make me very scared. <laughs> uh, I don't see it that's why i i, I kind of was very blase about uh, bryson stott i mean he had a pretty mediocre series but you know like i said it's a positive win win probability at it not negative you want to hear negative negative 0.27 out of brandon marsh in that series he went 0 for 13 with seven strikeouts that's the complete opposite of what this whole activity is but so bryson stott wasn't the positive but i don't know every time i see him it's it's like you said it's oatmeal and it's very um nothing i don't get excited about him but uh he uh, did a lot better than he did in the regular season. Bryson Stott did. I mean, he hit 267 in the series, 234 in the regular season. Uh, 733 ops in the series, 653 ops in the regular season. So 
Uh, he's obviously he obviously uh, did better than he did all season long against the Padres, and no doubt those his contributions helped him advance, helped the Phillies advance to the uh, World Series. Uh, who's the Phillies pitcher you wanted to talk about today? Oh, uh, I, I just wanted to say one more thing on Bryson Stott. Yeah, uh, I, I just compared him and Chase Utley's minor league numbers. Just oh, you know, why no. not? Why why not? Right. <laughs> Uh, sure. Chase Chase Utley only had an 815 OPS in the minor leagues. Mm. Bryson Stott batted 300 with a 389 on base, 495 slugging for an 885 OPS. So maybe there maybe there's that talent just hidden away, tucked in there. Just got to go dig in and find it, right? I, I remember getting very excited for Chase Utley way, 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 way back in the day. I used to. Uh, it, it would drive me crazy that the Phillies just. I think the manager was David. No, I want to make no, no. It was uh, it might have been Charlie Manuel or who was the guy before Charlie Manuel? That that. Uh, I know Boa would have been there because Boa yeah, was there for like years. It must have been Larry Boa. It was a combination of the two, where they just refused to play Chase Utley on a regular basis. And why are you crazy? Just get him in there. But no, they needed to uh, play Placido Polanco and David Bell every day. So hey, Placido, Placido Polanco, friend of the show. You know, we we looked up Listen. that he actually had good like major league numbers, yep. but it was yep. because of the years and the environment he played in. Hmm. He was like a three hundred or two ninety eight hitter in a below league average in terms of WRC plus. Yeah, I'll always I mean, remember that about him. He's a solid player, but I don't know. He, you know, Chase Utley. But yeah, manager of the 2003 Phillies when Chase Utley made his debut was Larry Boa. That was a shock because I I remember Larry Boa as like the bench guy uh, with Charlie Manuel. So, yeah, uh, Larry Boa got a chance to be a manager, and uh, I don't think he did that well. So, at least my biased opinion, he should have been starting Chase Utley day one. But no, he, he wanted to have David Bell out there every day. And, uh, Obviously, Chase Utley wasn't going to play shortstop, and first base was already taken. Can't play outfield, so he's out of luck. He has to play those veterans. Yeah. Anyway, uh, who's the pitcher that you were going to talk about right now? Let's bring up the pitching, um, because this one was a little bit easier to do. Um, with Aaron Nola having a bad game, they really needed to rely on their third starter, oh. who had a lot going into a lot of hype going into last year. Um, mm as he spent the first half of last year in the bullpen, then in the second half, he was in the rotation, had like a sub two ERA. Everyone's like, wow, this guy's really good. Ranger Suarez. Yeah. Um, And I liked the potential. I just worried about a guy who relied so much on pitching to contact in front of that defense, Um, had some struggles this year in 2022, but came up clutch in his NLCS start. Uh, he went five and two thirds innings, and I think there was even a relief pitching appearance there because it shows two games appeared in. Um, but yeah, when you have Aaron Nola give up six earned runs and four and two thirds innings, uh, you definitely need to start like that from the the Ranger Suarez of your rotation. So, yeah, Ranger Suarez came in with uh, a lot of relative hype this uh, season. Um, he was moving up a lot of people's charts in for starting pitching depth and starting pitching uh, a sl- sleepers list and stuff of that nature. So it's good to see that he actually uh, lived to some of that potential. He had a, oh, let's see what he had, 10 and 7 record with a 365 ERA, 129 strike that's in 155 innings with a 1.33333 whip repeating. And uh, yeah, he showed up big time for them uh, as he gave a fits 
to the San Diego Padres, five and two thirds solid innings from him. So that's a really good pick. I'm glad you mentioned him. Uh, I, I, I was hoping to have him on some of my fantasy teams this year, Same, um, yeah. but it ended up he was going way higher than like Marcus Stroman. And I was like, they're the same person, like they're low strikeouts. And yeah. at least with Stroman, like the whip is usually a little bit lower and yeah. he was playing in front of a better defense. But yeah, I, my, that was a guy I targeted and I just never got him in drafts because the price just kept going up all all draft season. Yeah, that's a very good observation, and because I was also targeting him too late in drafts, and he kept going a lot sooner than I anticipated. And I, you know, I like him, but I don't like him that much. I mean, where did I rank him way back in the uh, beginning of the season? Let's find out. Let's see. We got Ranger Suarez. He was uh, hidden behind the 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 search thing. Okay, he was uh, uh, any ranked between my sixty first and ninetieth pitchers. So. Uh, 61 plus 19. So I guess he was the 80th. Seven, yeah, 61 plus 19, 80. Yeah, the 80th. Thanks for the math. Who needs Austin? I don't need Austin. <laughs> Be my calculator here. So Ranger Suarez, I had him ranked ahead of guys like Tristan McKenzie, Kyle Gibson, Marco Gonzalez, John Means, Yusei Kikuchi, but I say Kakachi, Brady Singer, Andrew Haney, Cal Quantrill. It's... um. I don't know, man. Those guys just lump them in together. Except for Tristan McKenzie, lump those all, call those guys together, and you get you get like some sort of uh, result that's uh, with little variance and pretty much identical, if not very similar, types of pitchers. Uh, should I keep going? Because the list gets it keeps getting interesting. Okay, yeah, go a few more. Casey Mize, Carlos Carrasco, Chris Paddock, Aaron Savali, Corey Kluver, Zach Plesac, Nestor Cortez. Nestor Cortez, I had on my uh, the relegation league that I won uh-huh. that had like the the five different leagues. Um, I had Nestor Cortez, and he was like so late in the draft, and yeah. I just picked him. I was like, whatever, like I, I, he's cool. And that on that team, I had uh, Sandy Alcantara, Kevin Gossman, uh, Nestor Cortez, a couple other guys. They never got hurt. And they just pitched all year. I, I think I maybe added one starting pitcher the entire year. And I've never had to do that in a Roto League before. It was just those starters are saying that is it. Yeah. But yeah. Nestor Cortez was a huge part of that. Well, that's funny about- how he was getting that, that low on your rank. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's all based on projections and yeah. trying to figure out. Uh, is he real? I've, I've only heard about this guy for one season. Was that a real what we saw last year? Or was that a fluke? And the other guys, I just mentioned, I mean, like a Carlos Carrasco, there's a little bit of an establishment uh, uh, thing going with him. I mean, let, well, let's talk about it. I know Tristan McKenzie, right? He's at the top. He's, he's better than Ranger Suarez, right? Yeah, yeah. At least, right. Okay, potentially. Okay. So Ranger Suarez or Kyle Gibson? Ranger Suarez. Or, or Ranger Suarez or Marco Gonzalez? Oh. I think I would go Ranger Pro- Suarez. Yeah, probably Ranger Suarez. Granted, Marco Gonzalez was having like a terrible year, and he still ended up with like a high threes, slow four year. And he's durable as hell for some Yeah, I mean, like he, just, he just, he just throws. Uh, John Means is left-handed too, right? Yes. Another lefty, John Means. Uh, John Means or Ranger Suarez? Oh, uh, John, John Means when he's healthy, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll stick with Ranger Suarez. John Means had, what, Tommy John surgery, was it? Or yes. shoulder? Yeah, Tommy John. Yeah, I'll stick with Ranger Suarez. I always like the healthy arm. Uh, you say Kikuchi or Ranger Suarez? All the lefties out here. Yeah, Ranger Suarez because Kikuchi ended up in the bullpen. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brady Singer or Ranger Suarez? I think I would go with Brady Singer here. Was I, I always confuse the Royals. The Singer was the one that actually had a good year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Singer. <laughs> no, he actually had a continental, a continental year. Uh, uh, Pirelli here. It was uh, 
what's another tire brand shit michelin oh good year ha 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 wow that was a good one felipe michelin star rating here no brady singer was the one who kind of broke out this season yeah even though finally yeah finally had a good year even though he had a low 90s fastball throughout the year um okay so we're going with brady singer here yeah i'd probably take brady singer over uh ranger suarez got another lefty for you andrew haney or ranger suarez uh that's that's an all where does andrew haney end up Andrew Heaney in LA, definitely, but Andrew Andrew Heaney in Colorado or Andrew Heaney in some other hellhole. No. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna he's there's no way Andrew Heaney is going to Colorado, no matter how much money they're misspending out there. So there, there's just no way. It would be career suicide for the guy. Well, we've seen um, pitchers do it before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that maybe he thinks this will be the last big payday and what I mean, he's way? already had so many injury histories. You just have to go whoever throws the most money at you. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And what better way to spend your last few years in the major leagues than by spending them in key re- the ski resorts? Up yeah, in of course. And, and, and just staring into the sky as the fly balls that are outs everywhere else are just dingers and you have a oh. seven and a half ERA. Well, I figured he was going to stare into the sky because he was, he was getting high all the time. Oh, that too. Mm. Maybe I that's hadn't... what they should have their pitchers do. Before just they start, get high. Yeah, just go just out there and throw, man. <laughs> make them make them numb to what's what's gonna happen. Oh man, I'm trying this. I'm trying this. A uh, purple hoosh, hoosh. Yeah, and then like you can even market it as like the official brand of weed for the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, and then you sell it, and then the government gets their tax on it. Everybody wins. Yeah, I call it purple hoosh because it's uh, the colors of the Rockies. Oh. Uh, yeah, I tell you, right? Black and purple were my wedding colors. Oh. They were inspired by the Colorado Rockies, the oh, uniforms. Oh. Yeah. yeah honestly. I'm surprised you didn't uh, pick black and orange for the Baltimore Orioles. Why would I do that? That's stupid. Because no, they're, oh. they're, they're your favorite team. Well, um, we ended up going with gold, which is kind of similar. But I, I, I insisted on the purple. I, I, I wanted to be with, I wanted the purple color. But my wife, I think originally we were supposed to do black and silver. Uh, and I, I, i've seen that a couple times yeah but then uh, we had to change venues we went to a newer venue thankfully the the guy who owned the previous venue uh got us in a on a, on a sweet deal to go check out his new venue that was still under construction then we find out that all the chairs are gold instead of silver it's like all right well let's change it to gold all right you change it to gold i'm sick with my with my purple vest here mm-hmm. and uh yeah inspired by the colorado rockies i uh, got a couple more for you cal Quantrill or ranger suarez i think i'm gonna go with suarez. Uh, yeah suarez Carlos Carrasco. Eh, these are all just getting so meh. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. That's why I had Ranger Suarez as my 80th best pitcher on this list. Maybe, maybe we were maybe we were wrong. Maybe we uh we undersold Ranger Suarez. Maybe we should have reached for him. Yeah, maybe Based, just a little bit. Yeah, we messed up. Uh the other guys, Casey Mize and Chris Paddock, they're off for injuries. Aaron Savali is is I don't like him. I don't I don't know what he does for the Guardians except show up every five games i guess yeah just about Corey i mean I, I really do think aaron savali zach please zach and cal quantrell are really just one person that the they th- that they just put a different like fa- uh facial hair and <laughs> maybe give them a little like pump shoes or something like that because i swear they have to be the same pitcher and somehow they that that's what led them to win the division over a team like the white Sox, who were actually throwing their best to uh well that's i'm not gonna get on that because I'm gonna be mad if I do so, and I am wearing. I'm gonna wear my White Sox hat backwards because I'm. I'm ashamed of them right now. How are you gonna lose? <laughs> how the hell are you gonna lose the division to Cal Quantrill, 
Aaron Savali and Zach Plesek. Hey, don't forget Justin Bieber, according to Justin, Bob Costas. Justin Bieber, yeah. I still can't believe he said that on live TV. Yeah, that's why he's not doing the World Series, man. All right. <laughs> uh, the unsung hero, I think we mentioned him before, but we're going to mention him again because it's very slim pickings here for the uh, Padres. Uh, a lot of their guys have an aw- had awful series with Austin Nola leading uh, – well, actually, not leading uh, – uh, I guess leading the charge of negative WPA win probability at it at zero at negative 0.45. So every time Austin Nola came up to the plate, uh, he was costing the Phillies half a game at least, right? Yeah. At least that's how I'm going to interpret it. Uh, Trent Grisham had an awful series. Manny Machado had an awful series. Uh, Will Myers, I don't know what Will Myers does anymore. Well, it's but- Manny Machado had the two home runs. I think he was like the last out um, of their elimination game. And I know that yeah. kind of sometimes craters your. Uh, WPA a little bit. Yeah, he did have the two home runs, but he also went five for twenty-one, uh, two thirty-eight on base percentage. So, not the uh, not not the best series for Manny Machado. Juan Soto did show up, so that proves once again that the trade did work. <laughs> Zero point five seven WPA. But the guy we got to talk about is Brandon Drury, who has been a guy who's been in and out, in and out of our of our uh, uh, podcast. That's going to be one of those names in twenty twenty two that when we look back. Kind of like how we saw uh, Josh Stallman in 2020, I believe, or 2019. Yeah. Uh, where we were constantly mentioning his name. I think Brandon Drury is going to be that guy. Well, I'm always looking for those players um, who become kind of like not running jokes, okay. but just kind of constants. What's yeah. that? Okay. You have 30 se- uh, three seconds, not 30. How old is Brandon Drury? He's uh, 29. Oh, well, he just turned 30. But I-, I would have thought, like, I remember when he was on the Mets last year. Yeah, last year. I thought he was like already 34. And yeah, then someone's yeah. like, he's like, yeah, no, he's 28. And I was like, yeah, I was, uh, I was shocked when I did my rankings. I always put the age number right next to their names just to uh, make sure I don't get any old geezers on my team. And sure enough, there he is. It seems like he's been playing for a long, long time with like 20 different yeah. teams, but yeah, uh, but he just doesn't. I mean, he's a he's a versatile player. I mean, he could play anywhere. You know, that's that's an advantage. I don't know if he could play shortstop, but he could definitely play some infield, uh, third base, yeah. second base. I was like, believe in going the outfield and stuff. So I just don't uh, know where he ends up next year. Yeah. Is he a free agent? Is he is a free agent. He is a free agent. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure there's a market, especially now that, uh, you know, COVID isn't that big of a restriction anymore. Like it was in the past. Mm-hmm. He sh- he should be able to get away with not being back. Maybe he'll go with the blue Jays. That's what the blue Jays need. They, they, they need him back. Right. Was he ever him. good with the blue Jays though? Well, he'll be good with them now. Shoot. Oh, okay. See what yeah, he did? He, what he, he was actually very bad for the Blue Jays. That was back then, man. He was just and learning on the he, job. He, he wasn't as worse as he was with the Yankees. I remember when the Yankees acquired him, and they, everybody thought it was going to be a great trade. Um, <laughs> and then he had, like, the, the migraine vision problems, and that was just a complete non-starter. Was he with the? Was he also with the Cardinals? No, I'm thinking about Brandon Ryan. Brandon Ryan was with the Cardinals, right? No, he That's was. Long. He's um, Brandon Jury was Arizona for the first three years. Yeah, I and traded in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I Brandon Ryan, Brandon Drury, same guy, but Drury has uh, come up as uh, having a little bit of pop in his bat this past season, and in this series, he had one home run with five RBI. 438 on base percentage, 0.51 WPA. And so that means there must have been a big moment. And yep, there it is. It was two, ninth inning or two big moments, Sean. Game two, bottom of the fifth. That's game tie, 4 4. Two outs, bases loaded. And Brandon Drury off of Brad Hand hits a single to center field. Line drive to short center field, by the way. Profile scores, Soto scores, Cronenworth to third. Everything is looking good for the Padres after two games. Here we go. And obviously that didn't happen. But then we got another moment, game four. Top of the first, 
Padres already up ahead, one nothing with two outs, runners on first and second. Brandon Drury hits a double to center field off Bailey Falter. Yeah, can Bell somebody can somebody just explain to me how the Phillies are in the World Series when Bailey Falter is mm-hmm. starting key playoff games? Brother, nothing makes sense about the Phillies. Uh, man. It's, and, it, it, and it's funny because they've still hit for some power, but they've also just been like a super grindy offense where they've had a, a, some innings where they hit two home runs. And then like in uh, game one, uh, they had the three run inning, which was all just base hits. They had this two run inning, the next inning, which was all base hits. Or, or um, what we talked about against the Cardinals, where it was a hit by pitch. That- yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the, the that ninth inning snap. Like that. Yeah, yeah, that was Alec, Alec Baum's breakout in the playoffs started with him getting hit by a pitch. That's what well, I, I want to call it much of a breakout, because what did he do in the uh, the CS? He He did not have a good. Uh, he went three for 17. Hey, man, they'll always remember that hit by pitcher, right? It was momentous. <laughs> it was a momentum changer, okay? Uh, off of their, off of the closer for the Cardinals. What's his name? Um, Helsley. Hel- Ryan Helsley. More like in Helsley for the Cardinals fans. <laughs> he sent him to hell. <laughs> sent him to Helsley. Uh, yeah, but like I mentioned, it's it's like a, 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 a stars and stripes situation. Their defense is awful, just as, uh, uh, as advertised. And what I've noticed here when I was doing my rankings uh, for the Phillies, uh, the it's it's all about Zach Wheeler and Aaron Ola at the very top. You get what you can from Ranger Suarez. We just talked about him, and the big momentum shift for them was in their bullpen. Remember that when we talked about the Phillies bullpen has been a joke for a while. They finished up in nineteenth. Oh no, that's nineteen points. Sorry, but they were like kind of uh, uh, above average in bullpen according to FIP yep. this past yep. season, and that's all you need. Just Somewhere a little bit above the middle of the pack, and you should be good because we've seen the Phillies bullpen in years past, recent past, I should say, and they've just been atrocious. Uh, hell, one in 2020, I think I saw Fangraphs write an article saying that this has got to be the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball history, in the entirety of Major League Baseball history that they did. So they were able to improve. They were able to figure out, um, you know, what the roles are. Sir Anthony Dominguez, good. David Robertson, good. I mean, that might have been a big momentum change for them, too, acquiring David Robertson as well. So, yeah, Brad Hand, you know. Zach he, Eflin transitioning to the bullpen. Zach Eflin, that's a very good point. And, you know, just give up on him being a starter. He's never going to be. Uh, oh, I, 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 he's, he's 100% in their uh, starting rotation next year because uh, they got a, a $15 million option. Uh, yeah, and I, I think they have to keep that, and they have to put him back in the rotation. But yeah, this but is definitely this season. yeah. Who who was the uh, uh, starter who spent like all so much in the bullpen the last? Was it on the Dodgers? No, uh, well, Kyle Gibson was also is listed in the bullpen as well. So they got it, it, it was a it was a recent World Series champ. It wasn't on the Braves. Had to Wait, be the Dodgers. What's the question again? Uh, who there was a I think it was the 2020 Dodgers that had a starter in their bullpen that did a lot like all year. Um, and I can't remember who just keep uh, continuing. Been, I'm, I'm gonna been, try to find it. Could have been Tony Gonsolin, but uh, he was like a piggyback kind of thing. So, so was Dustin May. Mm. Anyway, but uh, yeah, that's the Phillies. Uh, it's a very weird team, but again, that's what happens when you boil a 162 game season and you filter it. And it's now about what you can do in that one month stretch. And that's something we're going to talk about at the back end of the show as soon as we get done with these LCS. Uh, wrap up. So that's the National League. Let's go over to the American League. What's going on? Uh, it was a uh, Alex Wood. Alex Wood had a oh, really yeah. good postseason in 2020 uh, after transitioning from the um, bull or the rotation of the bullpen. But yeah, I, I just had to go find it. That was bugging me. But continue. Did, did you mention the Padres pitcher? Uh, no, Nick Martinez. It, it was Nick Martinez. Oh, did you talk yeah. about him already? 
I think we talked about him a lot last week. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He, hey. he had another really good. Um, Eight strikeouts in six innings. Wow. Yeah, in three appearances. I mean, he just he went out there and did what their starters could not do. I think he's going to be a free agent too. Uh, I think possibly. So. I think he signed a multi-year uh, deal when he came oh, over okay. last offseason. Okay, I will mind. check I, as you continue. I thought I saw his name show up. Anyway, uh, let's yeah, move over f- to the um, four-year, twenty-five million. Oh, excellent! Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. I, he, like I said, we, yeah, we talked about him last week. Uh, go check him out. Uh, Houston Astros uh, against the New York Yankees. Well, wow, it's uh, Astros. Uh, I guess the big one is Jeremy Pena. That's an easy one. Two home runs. Two big home runs. This guy's been hitting big home runs all, all playoff series long. So. Uh, not surprising. Who needs Carlos Correa when you got a Jeremy Pena, right? All they do is reload, no rebuild here. With a 353 on base percentage, uh, 824 slugging percentage. So that must mean, since he basically carried the Astros into the World Series, that must mean he has some big hits. No, he did not. But uh, I don't see his name on the top 10 list here. Nope. But either way, Jeremy Pena, we all know who he is. Uh, and he once again showed up in this uh, uh, American League Championship Series. Who is your Astros pitcher? Uh, Astros pitcher is going to be, I think we talked about him last week, but I think it's, it's uh, Brian Abreu again, uh, appeared in three games, three innings, uh, four strikeouts, but only allowed three base runners. Um, Ryan Presley also had a, a really good series. Um, almost three and a third perfect innings only allowed one walk. So uh, yeah, they can get a, a tag team uh, award there. And, and for all the haters out there who are pissing on me because I mentioned that Framber Valdez would get my uh, Cy Young Award vote, uh, let's see here. Framber Valdez, seven innings pitch versus Justin Verlander, who only pitched six innings. Oh, uh, only only six innings. Let's see. A whip zero point five seven one for Framber Valdez. Verlander zero point six six seven. WPA zero point two six for Valdez. Zero point two three for Verlander. I don't know, man. To me, that looks like Cy Young material for that Cy Young material right there, Sean. Framber Valdez. It's not a joke. You don't know who he is. You need to get your eyeglasses checked. All right, let's see. Who was the big one? Oh my God, you're not gonna believe yeah. this. It's it's Harrison Bader. Yeah, again. Harrison Bader <laughs> just went kind of went kind of crazy. Uh, we the Yankee. You saw the Yankee fans. Uh, complain about this deal with the Cardinals. Why would you do that? Where's Jordan Montgomery? We need him on our pitching staff. Blah, 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 blah. Well, Harrison Bader is not Harrison Bader's fault that the Yankees lost. Uh, once again, leading the team in win probability added. Another two home runs from him. Were there any big home runs? I don't think so because they lost. Oh, we, we have one. Sean, we have one. Here we go. Game one, top of the second, scoreless game with one out. Harrison Bader off the great Justin Verlander hits a home run to deep left center field to put the Yankees up top. Uh, one nothing, right? Because it's a solo, yeah, solo home run. One nothing. Heat's getting the ball rolling for the Yankees, and the Yankees look like they're gonna make a series out of this in game one. Obviously, that did not uh, happen. Psych, psych. Let's see. I don't know, man. Did Fran Valdez give up a home run against the Yankees? I don't think he did. Uh, no earned runs in that series. Ah, hmm, interesting, interesting. But Valdez is not a Sun Young candidate. Interesting. Mm, mm. <laughs> Mm, quite, quite. Yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of the Verlander versus Valdez talk really soon. You'll see. Uh, who's your Yankees pitcher? I know it's slim pickings, but you got to pick yeah, one. Yeah, there, there's um, basically nobody. Um, uh, you know you want to talk about Mikel Castro. Just get out of the way. But he wasn't even good this year. I like Mikel Castro, but nobody's ever going to figure him out. He's so He's got the, the true 80-grade stuff in a command rating that goes anywhere from like 30 to 60. 
and you just have no clue which Miguel Castro you're getting that day. Um, uh, he's a guy that I wish the Mets didn't trade because I, I thought when he was with the Mets, he performed better than he did this year with the like. It, it seemed like a kind of a step back for Miguel Castro. Uh, Miguel Castro this year. Miguel uh, Castro, I like that. Eighty great yeah, fastball. Yeah, yeah. We, we see Frankie Montas did appear in that series. Uh, one inning pitched. Uh, probably one of the uh, the worst trade deadline acquisitions. And I did not like that deal from the start, especially with the injury concerns that were leading into that trade yeah. that ended up uh, rearing its ugly head. Cause I mean, you acquire this guy and uh, I'm not even sure if he made a start in the postseason. I think he just made a few bullpen uh, outings, but uh, no starts. Yeah. I guess Jordan Montgomery would have been uh, a key right there for him, but Oh, guess what? Then you know, again, Harrison Vader hitting two home runs every series. Ah, it's not easy being a Yankees fan, man. It's the worst. Oh, yeah. So they, they suffer a lot. We'll move on to the World Series. Let's go. What do we do here? Uh, let's talk about game one, right? Uh, and obviously the Astros. Uh, we are done, right? Yeah, we talk about the yeah. Astros. Okay. <laughs> we obviously, uh, the Astros had two five-run leads late in the game, right? Well, not late in the game, but they, they got off to two quick five-run leads in the series so far. They obviously uh, blew a tire in game one. And I'm just going to say this. Justin Verlander blew it for them in game one. But you know who showed up big in game two? Framber Valdez. Once again, that Framber Valdez is a legit American League side young candidate. And guess what? He also threw over 200 innings this past season. You know who didn't get to 200 innings pitch this season? Justin Verlander. (laughs) I rest my case. That'll take that, everybody who made fun of me for even mentioning that. But let's talk about it. Game one, it looks like uh, we're having a, a, some sort of a, a argument about uh, pitching philosophies, right, Sean? Because uh, it looks like the Astros decided to just keep Verlander there, out there um, and let him get out of the, the jams that he was getting himself into. Uh, and that ended up costing the Astros five-run lead as he he's the one who gave up the five-run runs and five innings pitch. He did have five strikeouts, but... Yeah, he did not. Uh, he kind of faltered at the end, didn't he? Was kind of shocked that none were on home runs. Um, because when Verlander struggled, um, uh, usually, I mean, the, the very few times it's because it's uh, kind of the whole like Max Scherzer effect, um, where they are willing to give up a, a solo home run because they're just going to attack the zone. Um, but yeah, gave up uh, six hits, two walks, uh, five runs came around to score. Um, just not his best day, and it's it's becoming one of those weird Kershaw-esque things where he just does not pitch well in the World Series. Um, yeah. I, I, I hate those sample size discussions. I think they're they're pointless to a degree, but um, yeah, just a, a observation. Yeah, and, and that's but we talk about them. Uh, we talk about we 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 spotlight Kershaw more than we do Verlander's. Like Verlander has this like reverence about him that you can't touch him. You can't criticize him too much. But well, it also we, felt we, like Kershaw had a, a really long gap in world series appearances yeah, uh, compared to Kershaw, who was basically there every well, year. <laughs> that should tell you all you need to know, man. Kershaw gets you to the promised land and Verlander. You never know where he is. You know, he's, he's well, I mean, we know where he was last year. He was hurt. So, but you know who else struggled? It was not a very good game for Aces here. Aaron Nola also struggled in this series. Yep. He, he back too to back bad starts. Five earned runs. Remember, that was the big scary thing about the Phillies. Like, oh man, you got if you get stuck with Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, you're in deep trouble. Oh man. And it ends up, and maybe you're not as in trouble as you think you are. Maybe you do have a shot against these guys. Aaron Nola doesn't 
I don't think he throws like dominant stuff like he used to. I mean, last I checked, his fastball is averaging around mid, low to mid nineties. Is that still the case with him or no? Yeah, averaged about ninety three. Adds a whole lot more. Commands it much better. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. he he was actually the the most valuable starting pitcher in MLB according to Fangraphs WAR. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. He, he, yeah, he had a sneakily good year. Uh, he went eleven and thirteen, and somebody told me like, "Oh, Aaron Nola is not that good." He went eleven and thirteen, and I was just like, "Oh!" And he had a four point six ERA last year. And I've never been the biggest fan of Nola because the strikeouts were always kind of low for how people talked about him. But they've gone up the last few years. Um, but yeah, someone's like, "Yeah, he had a four point six ERA. That's terrible." You're going to tell me this guy's good? I was like. Go look at the 2021 Phillies team defense. Yeah. And it was historically bad. Uh, his, oh, yeah. Ex- yeah, his expected ERA in 2021 was 3.35. Uh, and he had a, f- a real 4.6 ERA. In 2020, in the shortened season, 3.28 ERA with a 3.37 expected ERA. So nothing really changed, just about how bad his defense was. Um, career high, uh, Babbitt last year as well. But really, really coming back this year. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, not to uh, shortchange Aaron Nola. I know that velocity isn't everything, but it does. I mean, you see it on this. I mean, you see the correlation of higher velocities, more dominant stuff, more strikeouts. But that doesn't mean that having a low 90s fastball, you can't be effective and efficient. Yeah. Aaron Nola has proven that. But and especially saying, when you have, a, you know, an 80 grade breaking ball like Nola yeah, has, oh, as, as long as you can command the fastball and you have something like that, because even like Framber Valdez, I feel like doesn't light up the radar gun. I'm seeing average fastball <laughs> at 94. It's just that curveball. I mean, yeah, you know, what he does in 66 percent ground ball rate. Uh, he was the 10th most valuable pitcher, according to war. Uh, the next highest ground ball percentage on that list is 53.4% from Sandy Alcantara. So it's just like that discrepancy there is absurd. I mean, Framber Valdez does something that I don't know when the last time it was. <laughs> I mean, he literally 10% higher than second place, which was Logan Webb at 56.7%. Um, and once again, and this has been a complaint of mine with Framber Valdez, because every year it seems like, you know, 2020 and 2021, I look at his stack has uh, sliders and they're mostly blue. This year you have some red, but still mostly blue. Like So you that usually indicates, well, this guy can't be that good. So, and he, yeah, he just continues to defy uh, conventional wisdom as, as to what we know about these stack cast figures, these advanced metrics and whatnot. And he just, all he does is produce and, he did wonderfully. I mean, there was a, uh, 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 an at-bat, I forgot who it was. It must have been against Reese Hoskins, where Hoskins looked like he was baffled. And that was like the second or third time you've seen Valdez up there, where the sinker and the curveball are released at the same point. Uh, we are, are They get uh, closer to the plate at the same, uh, what do you call it? Almost oh. at the same location tunnel, yeah. yes. And then all of a sudden, the sinker starts breaking away and the curveball starts breaking down. And, and it's a thing of beauty, man. Yeah. It is a thing of beauty. And that you can see why Valdez. And they mentioned it last time on the telecast that Valdez uh, is basically a two-pitch uh, guy with the sinker and curveball dominating. And half his strikeouts came on on curveballs. And let's talk about game two then, if that's the case. Uh, oh, well, before we move on, I, I, one special note. Uh, Luis Garcia was the guy after we kind of marveled at his performance against the Mariners in that 18 inning game, Luis Garcia was the guy who gave up the home run to uh, JT Romuto. Romuto, I I thought it was interesting that they went straight to Luis Garcia 
which I think they did the same thing in the Seattle game was were they expecting him to go out there and just pitch until the game ended? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that that's, I, I noticed that as well. I had fallen asleep. I, I saw the uh, three run fourth and then I was like, Oh, well, I mean, Houston's going to hold on. And I woke <laughs> up the next, I, I woke up the next morning and I, I see the JT real Muto highlight. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Uh, hits it to right field. Uh, you saw the Reese Hoskins scissoring one of his teammates. I can't tell who it was, but you know, there's the scissor. It's oh, the, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a wrestling thing. It's, it's, uh, it's the new suck it for this young generation of uh, wrestling fans. So I think you remember, you remember suck it. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, th- like there was, there was, there was a Twitter discussion uh, from some uh, Twitter fantasy friends uh, that somebody told the story that he had done the, the Gen X suck it in school and they suspended him for five days. Yeah. Well, he's about to get suspended for scissoring. I've got, and I was like, that is hilarious. And they're like, uh, what was it on the written suspension? And it was like inappropriate sexual behavior. And he's Damn, in, like, right. and he's like in fifth grade. Lots I'm just like, Oh my God. Like this, that just cracked me up reading that story. And I was like, Oh, you know, that principal had an ax to grind. Like, uh, so, so that was about 30 years ago, Sean. And 30 years later, you got the whole scissor thing. And, you know, it's the same guy who's in who's in the middle of it. Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn was involved in the whole suck it thing in the 90s. And now he's involved in that scissoring thing in the 2020s. So it, it uh, yeah, see, these old wrestlers, they, they somehow they find a way to be relevant in pop culture and getting kids in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but Luis Garcia, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention about JT Riomuto was, remember, this is the guy that, uh, the Phillies made fun. Uh, everybody made fun of the Phillies. Well, not everybody, but the criticism about JT Realmuto, I should say, is that you're you're going to sign a guy, a catcher who's already on the doorstep of the age thirty years, uh, thirty year season, so that he's about to embark. Uh, he's not going to age well. He can only be the best catcher for so long. He's going to break down. Uh, his defense can only take you so far because again, eventually he's going to break down. The bat isn't going to be there. The speed's not going to be there because it's only going to break down. And he's the guy who ends up winning the game, winning game one for the uh, Phillies. And it's a lot of guys like that, right? Uh, Kyle Schwarber went one for four in game one. Yeah. Like, not, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'll I was going to say it's not a big deal, but Kyle Schwarber has been from what I remember, he's been hitting big home runs for the play and the playoffs for the Phillies this whole time. So, and even Nick Castellanos got involved. He got an RBI in game one as well. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's like, I was probably in that JT Romuto camp, at least as a Mets fan. You might have um, been, yeah. I, I I worried about. Um, I, I didn't want the Mets to sign a catcher to a twenty-five AAV, um, or to like five or six years. And there was a lot of rumor that Real Muto didn't want to come to New York. There's just a recent article released that uh, right when free agency opened, New York was the first team that called him, and they were like, "We're interested in bringing you to New York." And he said, "Okay, sounds good to me. Uh, let's uh, my people talk to your people." And it just didn't really go very far. And of course, the Mets pivoted to McCann, which I also didn't like. But um, yeah, JT Romoto kind of making me eat crow this year because really this was his best year. Because um, I, I, when you look at his career arc, he went from very underrated to, in my opinion, kind of overrated. And then he it came back down because like he was a low OBP guy. He yeah. had some good, he, you know, posted 480, 450, 490 in that realm in terms of slugging percentage, but when you looked at the batted ball data, it never really clicked. Um, granted, him going to uh, Philadelphia, I was like, okay, maybe that power becomes a little bit more consistent mm-hmm. uh, there. But yeah, at age 31, uh, JT Realmuto uh, 
had his best uh, season at 6.5 Fangraphs war um, hit 22 home runs, stole 21 bases at 31. That's a career high. I mean, cause he had, he had speed, you know, in the past, like eight, yeah. nine, 10, 11, 12 steals, but 21, I don't think he was caught one he was caught once. Uh, he had a little bit of a streak going there, but yeah. Um, JT Romuto kind of shut me up. I, that doesn't make me think that if I had to go back and do it again, I still wouldn't invest that much money. Well, and, maybe the uh, Mets will be in the World Series by now. So yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, you know we're not. Know. You know, you know, you know we're not that lucky. I don't know, man. You got to break your own luck, and 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 the part of it. And that's what I tell White Sox fans when they were like, oh, "I'm okay. We don't get Bryce Harper. Ah, who cares how we even get Manny Machado?" Well, we saw in the last NLCS series that just passed, Bryce Harper led the Phillies to the NLCS. In what Manny did Manny Machado do? <laughs> same thing. Hell, Manny Machado is the reason Fernando, you, everybody knows who Fernando Tatis is, like maybe three years before he was supposed to be up in the major leagues and the Padres were supposed to milk the crap out of that, uh, what do they call the service clock. Machado that offseason said, no, we need Tatis up. I will gladly move to third base if we let Tatis go to shortstop right now as a 19-year-old. And obviously that didn't work out too well for the Padres this year because Tatis was nowhere to be found. But that's what a free agent, a big name free agent, does for your franchise. It turns, especially turn when they're that around. young. But it, especially <laughs> when they're that young, right? Uh, uh, and they turn around the franchise. They are they set the tone for the franchise, and it kind of pressures the teams. Hey, we got to win now. Look, and I mentioned Kyle Shore because yeah, he was a big uh, bat for the Phillies in this playoff. Hell, he got a stolen base on Game One. I mean that, that should tell you all you need to know as to how serious that they're trying to uh uh trying to win in Bryce Harper's window. This, this year he actually in this postseason in 13 games, he has three home runs and three stolen bases. Oh my god, he's he's oh Jesus. So, in twenty in twenty twenty two as a whole, he stole ten bases, which is more <laughs> than he had one, two, four, eight, nine. He had twelve stolen bases in his career going into twenty twenty two and then stole ten this year. And that has something to do with the manager for the Phillies. What's Only caught once, uh, uh, Rob Thompson. That must be a thing with him. He must be. Uh, I think that's another reason why the, why fans love this Phillies team is because of. I mean, you got you got a catcher who's still twenty one stolen bases this year. I think he has something. He must have something to do with uh, the aggressive style in the base pads. Uh, and it might have something to do with Bryce Harper being hurt for such a long time with the uh, yeah. elbow issues. So maybe if uh, Harper's not there, then you you definitely gotta uh, uh, do some sort of old school type of. Uh, 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 play style there, but uh, I was gonna, but yeah, Schwarber's involved, and he was a big name free agent that was signed uh, this past offseason. Nick Castellanos again, uh, not the best of seasons, but it, it's it's all there to build around Bryce Harper. And then you mentioned JT Realmuto, so all the big name free agents are are here, and they are instrumental to getting the Phillies this far with a bunch of other no-name uh, failed... I'm going to call them failed prospects for now because they're not living up to the hype. They're not Fernando Tatis, I can tell you that much. They're not 19-year-old Fernando Tatis. But you know what? They're here. They're tangible. And Tatis is at home watching all these games. At least we think he is and not doing something else. And, you know, Brandon Marsh. Come on, Brandon Marsh. We talked about him all the time. And he is such trash. I, I don't I don't get it. But he did drive in an RBI last night, which let's get to it right now before uh, we, we forget. But yeah, that's the Phillies. Uh, it, it, you sometimes you just have to go open up the checkbooks and you know just be pot committed and go all in. Because if you just stay in the stands, look at the White Sox. 
They, they failed on Harper. They failed on Zach Wheeler. I don't care what Zach Wheeler says about staying on the East Coast. If the White Sox would have gave him a gargantuan amount of money, Zach Wheeler would be a White Sox player right now. Manny Machado, they did everything they could to get his family involved and get John him. Jay. <laughs> Yonder Alonso and Manny Machado said, nah, I'm still going to go with the money. And you know what? San Diego's a lot more sunny. You're going to have to pay me a lot more to play in Chicago. I'm sorry. That is a part of being a successful front office is not just trying to get free agents, but actually locking them up and getting the deals done. And uh, anyway, just talking about this goddamn team just pisses me off. <laughs> Uh, same thing happened in game uh, two uh, with the Astros getting off to a hot start up to a five nothing lead. And this time around, the Phillies had no answers. Who was the Phillies starter? Zach Wheeler. Oh, we just talked about him. Yeah. Okay. So this says, no, Zach Wheeler. Uh, good thing the White Sox didn't sign up. He's trash. You know. <laughs> but yeah, four earned runs. Uh, didn't, uh, gave up a home run. Not the greatest of uh, of starts for him. And then, of course, for the Astros, Framber Valdez was Dealing out there, proving once again that he's a true ace on that Haitian Astros team. So, uh, any thoughts on the pitching matchups there, Sean? Well, Zach Wheeler's always been a guy that if you're going to get to him, you got to get to him early. Yeah. And of course, they had what the the three straight doubles to start the game, um, and then he kind of locked it in, didn't give up any runs, second, third, fourth, um, and then gave up the home run to uh, Bregman uh, before finishing the inning and getting out of there. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's that it's true what they say about the the great starting pitchers. If you're going to get to them, you got to get to them early, and uh, they got to Wheeler early. So yeah, um, well it helps when you have trash cans and lasers and buzzers helping you know Freaking what getting laser beams on their head. Yeah, <laughs> to, to quote uh, Doctor Evil there. <laughs> uh, let's see, anybody steal bases? No, Nick Castellanos had a double, and I oh yeah, the, I'm thinking of sliding catch that was in game one so and that's where the buzzers comes from because he's actually stripped and oh yeah yeah, no yeah. Buzzer, and i saw which, that i saw that, that I mean, was, which uh, i thought was pretty lame but yeah i thought it was kind of one of those like okay like you suck you suck you this suck. year <laughs> who are you and, and listen, like we, Cast- we, we can tell you're not wearing a buzzer <laughs> <laughs> and castellanos has always been a guy who's just very emotional out there he oh he, yeah He's one of those guys who, who when you tell him, when he says that he would play this game for free, he's not lying. He definitely would go out there and play for free. The other thing I noticed about Philly fans complaining about uh, Castellanos is how he swings at every pitch. Uh, sorry to break this to you guys, but that's his mo. He's he's a hyper aggressive pitcher, but he makes enough uh, hyper aggressive hitter, but he makes enough contact to uh, where it doesn't really matter. Well, he, uh, he, he used to. Hmm. Mm, Maybe, maybe he needs to go back to that approach. But, uh, yeah, two strikeouts for Nick Castellanos in game two. He couldn't figure out for Amber Valdez, I guess. Yeah, uh, he, he's got a 58 WRC plus in the postseason. It's okay, Nick. We can tell you're not wearing a wire because you're walking 3.8% of the time, striking out 23%, batting 220. We, we know you're not wearing a, a buzzer. It's okay. Um, Brandon Marsh did not uh, get the start in this game because of the lefty Valdez. But, Matt Beerling. Yeah, Matt Fairling. And I could have sworn I thought I saw Valdez uh get an RBI single, but it, what did they did they call that an error on uh what's his name? Yuli Guriel then? Cause yeah, uh, I think it was a fielder's choice. Oh, okay. Well, fielder's choice not to feel that cleanly. Well, no, he has a one earned run on, on the stat line, so I don't know who Wait, exactly who? had uh, uh Valdez. Um oh okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, Gene, Gene Segura had a sack fly, but that was against um Rafael Montero. So yeah, yeah, there must have been um uh grounded into a double play, maybe uh, Harper Veerling. Um that might uh, have been it. Well, I know Brandon Marsh hit a, a a sharp grounder to first base and it it went off of uh Guriel's heel of the glove 
and uh, he was able to drive in a run that way. But it must have been unearned, like you say. Well, no, but, it, it was earned, but you don't get an RBI. It counts as oh, an earned run, but the batter doesn't get an RBI. Okay. So, yeah, Matt Vierling in the uh, fifth inning, ground ball, double play, shortstop, second base, first base. So there, a run must have scored there. Okay, perfect. Okay, thanks for explaining. But, uh, yeah, it, it would have been um, it, it, at that time. And, like, you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. They're the Astros are about to blow a five-run lead, but that team is so damn good. There was no way in hell that was going to happen. Jose Altuve had the big game, and you saw a post in Baseball Life saying, hey, guys, don't call me crazy, but I think we're honestly seeing Jose Altuve become, uh, becoming the greatest second baseman of all time, and that guy got uh, he got torched in that post. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he definitely can enter the conversation, but there's just so many, like, historically. Yeah, um, I mean, Joe Morgan there. will always yeah. be statistically speaking, Joe Morgan's going to be a hard, going to be a hard uh, guy to catch up to. And uh, Altuve, he'll be lucky if he gets into top 10 at this point, um, especially with all the things that have happened, even intangibly, all the things that happened to him uh, in 2017 and the weird. See, I, I don't, I don't think that'll affect him much. I don't think it will. Maybe not for the Hall of Fame, but in terms of uh, that whole public opinion thing, where oh you, yeah, the, the court of public that's, opinion, that's one. That's thing, gonna you know. torch him, which I, for some it doesn't matter, but you know that's gonna be a yeah. conversation. Who's the greatest second baseman? And how are you gonna leave off Jose Altuve? The Astro fans are gonna say, and then here comes the laundry list. And you can also mention that the home run spike midway through his career is also very suspect. Uh, so and the buzzer and the trash cans and the cheating and this and that. Yeah, he's so. currently at forty eight and a half um war that places him right in front of ian kinsler and behind johnny evers um oh well it's a cuff and i'm always gonna go with johnny evers yeah you have jeff kent and jackie's at 57.2 war jeff kent at 56.0 uh, war uh cano at 58 but we he has his own problems uh utley at 61 willie yeah. randolph at 62 war um joe morgan at number four at 98 yeah, so uh, Rogers Hornsby is the last one at 130, and Eddie Collins and uh, Nap. Uh, so yeah, definitely never catching those guys. But if he's at 48 now, he could catch the the group of maybe Biggio, Alomar, Randolph, Utley, Sandberg. Yeah, I'm not like, like I, I think he might end up in that group. I'm not putting Altuve over any of those guys. I'm sorry, I, I'm not doing that. I don't care how far he gets. I there's in like Felipe's eye test thing. I am not putting. Altuve ahead of those three guys you just mentioned. Sorry. Um, what was I going to say? And uh, yeah, when I say Joe Morgan's the best second baseman, uh, yeah, I usually look at stats from the in- from the integration era on. Those are the ones that I memorized. So that's what I meant. Since 1947, Joe Morgan's the best second baseman that ever lived. So, but yeah, no, I'm not going to dispute the greatness of Rogers Hornsby, Eddie Collins, and uh, was it, who's <laughs> uh, the other guy? Nap. Nap, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Nap Lashaway. I mean, yeah, the reason Ty, Ty Cobb didn't win more batting titles is because Nap Lashley was in his way. So, <laughs> yeah, since if you just do since the mound was lowered, um, Jose Altuve ranks 12th um, mm. ahead of some interesting guys uh, ahead of, like I said, Kinsler, Dustin Pedroia, Ben Zobrist, Alfonso Soriano. Um, mm. Brandon Phillips is way down there. Brian Roberts. These are some fun names. Yeah, I, like, I, like, I remember when these guys like they didn't have long peaks. But when they peaked, they were the 99 overalls in the video games. Uh, let's see here. Oh, okay. I just saw your message. Yeah, I know that we have one more topic of discussion. Uh, well, really quick. Uh, I know you're you're not feeling well, but uh, how do you see the rest of this series 
uh, going uh, in Philadelphia from here on out. I have a $20 bet for Astros in five. Okay, so yeah. they're going to run the gauntlet. I could see that happening, or I could see them winning in six. I, I think the Astros are just way too deep. We're, we're, we talked about all yeah. the deficiencies for the Phillies, and we've been marveling at what the Astros have been doing uh, all year long. They have great starting rotation. They got Luis Garcia coming out of the bullpen, notwithstanding that home run he gave out to Real Muto, and, and not to mention all the other guys who have uh, made the Astros one of the great bullpens of this season. Uh, and they're just solidly built as well meanwhile it sounds like the phillies uh if game two is an indicator of what the rest of the series is going to go from here on out uh they might have reached their 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 full potential out of this roster and uh go ahead yeah to me they needed to win both of those first two Mm -hmm. um that was their chance now they go in uh you have Syndergaard starting tomorrow that'll be a bullpen game he'll maybe go three innings if he makes it through the lineup without giving up you know too much damage um, McCullers hasn't had a great postseason. He had a bad start last time around. Yeah. But I mean, this is the part of this is the soft underbelly of the Philadelphia Phillies when you go into bullpen games against elite offenses yeah. in the World Series. I mean, it it it's not a good, it's not impossible, but it's also not, you know, good for you. Um, and then Ranger Suarez slated to start the next time. And then Wednesday, I think you would maybe see um, Nola on short rest if need be, if that if it's still going. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be close. It's I just I, I think after splitting the Nola Wheeler, um, it's this is the Houston's going to feast on yeah. the because unless like Philadelphia just bashes them like they did against uh, San Diego, where they just hit 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 hit. Uh, and they have like three, four guys, Hoskins, Harper, um, Real Muto, and then there was the Schwarber. Like if all four of those guys have like five, six, seven, eight hits in the series, they have a chance. But the likelihood of that happening is just. Yeah, well, it, it is it is Citizens Bank ballpark. So, you know, that's their ballpark. That's, you know, they can mash in there and give fists to a guy like so that. So can the Astros. And so can the Astros because, <laughs> you know, apparently they cheat on the road too, apparently. Uh, so Lance McCullers versus Syndergaard. I think I'll take McCullers in that game. And then November 1st, <laughs> World Series in November, man. It's still yeah. weird. You, like you mentioned, Rangers Suarez is slated to be the game four matchup. And the Astros are to be determined. Uh, who would the Astros be able to pull in there? Jose or Quidi, maybe? Yeah, or Keedy. Sorry. Oh man, you really are tired. Yeah, uh, I know. I just saw your message like that. This guy, yeah, uh, Christian Javier. Oh, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it's probably a Javier game. Uh, oh, Javier's just... pro- Javier's probably after uh, McCullers. Yeah, and it, let's say they go quitty game four. You put Javier in game five, and who's he gonna play? What against a, a short rested uh, Aaron Nola? Yeah, I, 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 or Javier in Philly kind of scares me, but at the same time, like Javier. It's an embarrassment of riches. It's just yeah. absolutely an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, we talked about it. And then what? The Phillies will go with Kyle Gibson one of these games. If uh, they need I mean, to, he, he this... hasn't really been starting. He's just been coming out of the bullpen. Oh, so he's well rested. No, <laughs> no it's um, they're they're screwed. I, I, I let's great run. I'm not gonna take the, uh, that away from them. Great run in October, but I'm sorry if you gun to my head and if you my baby's life is in danger. And the only way that it's gonna save her is if the Houston Astros run the gauntlet and, and win the next. Uh, uh, three games, or not the next one, but just get to four games, win four games. I'm gonna put my money on the Astros and 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 
have them win this World Series. It's just, I can't. I just cannot go against what I see. And what I see is that the Astros are better from top to bottom. And yeah. if the it, Phillies it, win, it's going to be based more on luck than, than skill. But go yeah. ahead. And you're going to have Ranger in Great American Ballpark. Uh, and I think we kind of forget sometimes how good they're just the, the the lineup, the position players for Houston. Uh, you have some notorious lefty killers that really haven't done much in the postseason. I, I think McCormick has a home run, but he's a lefty killer. Trey Mancini, um, Jose Altuve, of course, uh, Yuli Gurriel, and even like Mauricio Dubon. Like Mauricio Dubon could come out of nowhere and have like a three-hit game with a couple of stolen bases. Like uh, that's the, the wonderful thing about playoff baseball is you just never know what's going to happen. And with that, uh, I know you're tired. We are already an hour in. Um, did you, I mean, did you have one thing to fix Major League Baseball or you want to save it for another show? Uh, it's up to you. Yeah, let's just finish. Man. I know my, my, yeah, my, my uh, throat is hoarse anyway. You sound like, like, like crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. And uh, this would take another 30, 30, 45 minutes to discuss anyway. So we should uh, probably do a standalone show on how to fix Major League Baseball. Um, I'll, I'll just say this. You get rid of the divisions, get rid of the leagues, get rid of the leagues, I should say. No. Get rid of it all. Have every team face each other five games per season. Round robin. You have a round robin, just like they do in Europe with the soccer teams. They have a double round robin regular season tournament. You make that a, a, a key of importance. And then at the end, you play this... Uh, playoff month right because that's what matters anyway for most yeah. people but you got to find a way to be able to uh, award these teams who actually give a shit about playing and winning games in the regular season and because they do the dodgers i we talk about this all the time and the astros too but the dodgers are the, the best organization in all of baseball right now top to bottom Every team should try to be like more like the Dodgers and less like the Phillies, where the Phillies are a complete mess and they're just getting lucky this time. Well, of year. And, and that's the thing with Dave Dombrowski is like, yes, yeah. he's done this historic thing where he takes four teams to the World Series, uh, yeah. like two from each uh, league. But at every single time he's left the organization in shambles. Yeah. And like th- this year, like, yeah, he goes for the, the throat and tries to win. But the Phillies only had one top 100 prospect in baseball this year, and they traded it for Brandon Marsh. And oh, the uh, the catcher, yeah, Logan O'Hop. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that that it's. I mean, yes, they made it to the World Series, but unless they win, even if they win, I mean, this it's a, a kind of a thought process, you know, a process based decision making model that maybe like it, it, it's very aggressive and you might win, but it mm-hmm. sets you back really long term if you don't have the financial capacity to. Uh, kind of float like the Dodgers did when they re you know quote unquote rebuilt. I mean, when they rebuilt, they added how many hundreds of millions of payroll to they brought in guys like Adrian Gonzalez and like I remember I think Josh Beckett was there too, Carl Crawford. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but while they got everything behind the scenes figured out, like they they brought in these guys that were considered bad contracts. Um, are the Phillies willing to do that? Is uh, Middleton willing to do that? I don't think so. No, and I think the the, the issue here is that. As long as Bryce Harper is there and you're committed to Bryce Harper, you have to go this route. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean you just have to uh, uh, pretend that you don't have a farm system to cultivate, that there's no farm system to take care of. You got to you gotta be able to hit on these prospects. I don't care on these amateur draft picks, too, and these interna- international signings. I, I don't know what the deal is, but you, you can't just say, oh, well, we're just going to sign Major League Baseball players left and right. I mean, good for you. You're doing that, but there's something incomplete about your franchise if 
if that's what you're depending on. And there's something incomplete about your franchise. If the big two uh, big prospect names show up and they're just underwhelming and Alec yeah. Baum and Bryson Stott and who knows how many other guys uh, they brought up recently. And even their bullpen, it's just a bunch of uh, veterans on that team in which, I mean, I guess that's every bullpen, but that's kind of concerned that you don't have at least one or two guys that uh, were failed starters, but we, you were able to convert into relief pitchers. No, you're just still plucking away from other teams and hoping that something good happens for you. And eventually that runs out. I mean, look at the White Sox. I always say the White Sox are basically the Phillies of the AL Central. Yeah, but, that's a, that's a, yeah I can yeah. see it. I can see it. Except that the White Sox are cheaper than the Phillies. So. <laughs> <laughs> but there has to be something that goes back to my conversation. There has to be something where the regular season has to matter. It can't just like, oh, we're all playing for October. Because the Dodgers have proven time and time again that the way they build their, their team is it, it is it, it is built for a 162-game season. Of course, October is a different beast. beast yeah. But I don't know. Last I checked, 162 games is this big and... A five-game series should not be able to dictate your entire season. There has to be a, some sort of happy balance with the regular season matters and as well. And I even thought about, hey, maybe you can have like European soccer where you have a regular season champion, you have the playoff champion, and then if it's two separate teams, have them play in a neutral site, have it like a, the Super Bowl of, of World Series, baseball, whatever you want to call it, have it on a neutral site, have fan bases, one game, winner take all. And I'll go into more detail next time, but yeah, I don't see why that can't be a thing in Major League Baseball. I think basically to say there needs to, you need to have something to welcome Major League Baseball into the 21st century because this old way of think, doing things, um, it's getting stale. It's getting stupid. And it doesn't matter anymore. There's no league distinctions anymore. Everybody has a DH. Everybody's going to face each other at least once. You might as well turn it into something that's massive. Combine the ideas and concepts from European soccer and college football, like the whole uh, annual home-and-home uh, home series that I'm thinking of uh, that they should implement here, where the Red Sox go into Yankee Stadium this year, but next year they'll go, the Red Sox will have to uh, defend their home turn for five games. If the concern about having a division is the, the scheduling and the road travel, hey, if you tell a team that they're, they're going to stay five days in a city, that's a lot easier than telling a team we're going to travel to four towns in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. You got to start thinking outside the box. I think this is a perfect way. It'll keep interest going. Regular season matters again, will matter again. And the playoffs will be its own separate entity. And at the end, you might have a Super Bowl uh, championship game to play winner take all kind of situation. Who is opposed to that? Who is opposed to that? Everybody, apparently. Yeah, but. I I think the main thing that happens is we've already seen the playoff expansion this year. I think that parlays into MLB has future plans to expand the league. Yeah. Um, I could very much see a shortened season. You bring it down to like 140. Yeah. And uh, 142, whatever you have to do. And yeah. um, instead of having a, a three-game wildcard series, a five-game division series, and a, a seven-game uh, championship series and world series. I think you could just see straight sevens. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind that. I don't like this because I, I feel like the, this, the seven series, and I'm not saying this is a Mets fan. I like the Mets were established to win, whether they played in a three game series, five game series or seven game series. Um, and they just, you know, didn't perform, right. but I think the MLB playoffs have always been random. You know, you, you have the unlikeliest of heroes that which we've spent the last two weekends talking about, uh, David Eckstein, Yadier Molina, like when he was a babe. Mark, Mark uh, Lemke. <laughs> yeah, Mark Lemke. Um, Mark freaking Lemke, man. And uh, it 
if you're trying to take the randomness out of it, save them some regular season games, yeah. make the all-star break a little bit longer, make their maybe spring training start a little bit later. I I, I don't know exactly where you kind of fix in these off days yeah. or, or, or maybe you do something like expand on all-star uh, game. Like instead of just a, a weekend, like you have an entire uh, week, like long period of, you know, red carpet, you know, whatever rest, a uh, celebration of the game, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Have it, it, more events. Do, yeah. Present your awards from the prior year there. Like, I don't know. Like you can market it. Uh, but uh, all in all, I, I see the, the league on the whole expanding. I see regular season being shortened. I see the playoffs being lengthened. Whether that they add another two teams, I doubt. Um, I think oh, that you they, know they, they want to. I, I think they did this. I, I don't know. It's close. Um, I think that's an argument for next CBA. Um, depending on how the CBA plans out, that's often optimistic of me to assume that we're going to have baseball in six years. But yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's the the best solution. There is expand the playoffs. Like playoff baseball is what everybody loves. Um, yeah, yeah, but you should also reward the teams who are yeah for sure doing what they can. I mean, and, and you know what the other issue I had. Another, and I know I've said, well, let's talk about it next time. But now we're talking about it now is you got to redo that stupid trophy you got there and <laughs> you retire it, get, you know, send it off to the sunset or shoot it in the back. I don't know, but uh, look at the look flowers, at, look, look at the, the flowers. flowers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> look at the flowers. Okay. And look at the, look at the flowers, Rob Manfred. <laughs> you see 30 flags just fly up in the air. And I guess flags don't fly forever. Actually, they do for a short amount of time. But no, um, you revamp the trophy, right? And again, it goes back. You know, you have a regular season trophy, and you have to put prestige on it. Name it after a famous uh, uh, old timey baseball player. I don't know which one. Just pick one, because you got to add that prestige to it to the regular season. I mean, that's Some... why they, they, they even do that in the minor leagues. Yeah, I mean, you where you have the, the first half champion, you have a second half champion, then you have your your playoff champion. Yeah, well, great. They do that for a variety of reasons with promotions, demotions, stuff like that. But yeah, yeah like, well, they, like they they make a big thing out of it. And they did that in uh, 1980 or 81 uh, playoffs as well, where they had the first half champ and the second half champ. But that was because it was a strike shortened season. But regardless, it's it's been done before where baseball does uh, uh, adapt to its surroundings. But my thing would be, you put it this way: you name it, you name the damn trophy after Cal Ripken Jr. and his big ass streak, or fuck, name it after Lou Gehrig. Somebody yeah. just to show that you're gonna you're you're not gonna take this Lou Gehrig trophy for endurance of a 150 game season regular season uh, most victories you're not gonna you're gonna spit in the face of Lou Gehrig's legacy no you, you and 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 make sure these these players get a big bonus for winning the damn regular season championship then you go to the playoffs get another trophy in there name it after some guy name it after Derek Jeter I don't care I don't care I don't even like Derek Jeter but you know you want to play into November name it after Mr November and that's how you, oh okay we oh so now we're playing for a trophy name after a Yankee player and another trophy it's <laughs> another Yankee player imagine the no. imagine the Red Sox win the World Series. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to survive till next season. <laughs> it's going to come back with doodles drawn on on it. Oh, doodles is a very uh, age appropriate thing to say uh, on what would possibly be drawn on that. So, and then there was a, a, the idea of having a neutral site, having more neutral site games. That idea came in the uh, 2020 World Series where the Dodgers and the Rays played, and all the games were in Texas in that brand new ballpark of theirs. And, and then somebody did... played in San Diego. There's a series played in San Diego as well. 
maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. I think San Diego had already gotten eliminated, and they still stayed in San Diego. Oh, that's pretty. Oh, because of the schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is fun baseball, man. But here's here's a thought, man. Somebody wrote an article about that. Like, you know what? I know this is just a a, a one time thing with the Rays and the Dodgers playing at a neutral site, but they should be doing this at a neutral site where you take especially in a warm weather city where you can have fans flock towards that town and uh watch again celebration of baseball for seven days straight and uh you uh it it becomes like a super bowl atmosphere but unlike the super bowl you got a game every single day uh there's no waiting period i mean you might have a day off here and there but no more waiting periods no more blaming the weather no more rain delays especially if you play in a warm weather city like they do in, in the nfl and hell, you may even be able to take this actual globally. You might actually, it might actually be a World Series played in Japan or uh, at the Tokyo Dome. Wow, Tokyo Dome World Series baseball oh, okay, oh, with two American teams. Is that too much? That, that might be a little, little much. Uh, uh, Tokyo Dome is, you know, again, because I'm a wrestling fan, uh, the Tokyo Dome is like a hollow ground. Imagine playing baseball at the Tokyo Dome uh, against the two best teams in all in, in the entire world for this playoff series. Uh, uh, but and if you don't want to do that. Again, regular season champ versus the playoff champ. Have them play at neutral site. You want to put that one in Paris, France, and get the <laughs> and, and and get the French people excited about baseball. Then, then the the listen, man. The point is that there's so many ways you can go about this. If you, if that if the point is to draw more attention from the world, this is the way you do it. Because you know what, Sean, you gotta you gotta be able to do something that they understand. Oh, I get it. It's the regular season champion versus the playoff champion, and this is like <laughs> okay, Hollywood Francais. Uh, and, and at the end, this is kind of like the UEFA UEFA Super Cup. You know, they, they do that. With, with, <laughs> you uh, went very French to very German there. I hear that accent a lot of the plans. So, <laughs> uh, oh, hey, listen, brother. Um, if, if it's European, it's gonna be the Germans have to be involved as well. They have uh, to. So, just... so the series I was thinking of was Tampa versus New York in Petco. And then the Astros and A's played at Dodger Stadium. And then the Dodgers and Padres played at Globe Life in Arlington. And the Braves and Marlins played at Minute Maid in Houston. Wow. And then Houston and Tampa played at Petco. Um, Dodgers and Braves played at Globe Life. And World Series was at Globe Life. That was, oh my God, I forgot how much of a shit show the 2020 playoffs are. Everybody played a goal like for the Texas Rangers, apparently. <laughs> anyway, I could talk about this all day, but I, it's been an idea that's been brewing in my head. If I were the commissioner of baseball, I would. These are changes I would make, and of course, I would have to deal with the union. But I think you 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 kind of draw it up where the union would be would have to see the benefits uh, highlighted: less travel, uh, more fair competition. You are going to get compensated for all these games you're going to play very well. I, I don't know, man. To me, it's a win-win situation. And and in the end, everybody wins, including the fans as well. And yeah. again, baseball in the 21st century, let's make it happen. Because I hear so many people complain about just like, oh, the expanded playoffs. Like so many people complain about it. So many people. Everybody complain about complaining it. about but it. But uh, no, nobody's complaining when we're watching the game, when we have <laughs> more baseball to watch. And then people are like, oh, they should just go back to when, you know, the, the two teams, like there were only two divisions and the two division winners faced each other. And I'm like, shit, while we're at it, let's just go back to when we played one World Series. There was no other playoffs. Like people yeah. like they, they say, oh, let's go back and do it like this. I'm like, that's not how sports work. Yeah. Like w- w- we go forward. And I mean, yeah. a lot of people complaining about the, the new rules, which I'm not a fan of all of them. 
but you yeah. gotta try something. You gotta people try say, something. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, uh, the, no other sport says you can't play defense there. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's fresh. It's frustrating. And, and again, these ideas, uh, the NBA is already trying to implement that kind of European style of play with the, there's a play, there's a tur- uh, in-season tournament and they want to do the playoffs at the end. And you still got to have to do some sort of emphasis on the regular season because the regular season for the NBA is a shit show. Do you want Major League Baseball to turn into the NBA? No, you oh, oh. don't. Load same, load management, load management. Uh, we, we, NBA- we will never see Mike Trout play. <laughs> Same thing with the NHL. The NHL, I mean, it's a it, you can have the most dominant team there, and and when the Stanley Cup playoffs are, it's a complete crapshoot, and the people love that stuff. But that just means that the first eighty-two games of the regular season are meaningless, and everybody's just lapping around each other to get get healthy for the summer playoff. And well, the NFL is the king, so yeah. bad. That's a bad comparison. But yeah, all these others, maybe not the NHL, but even the NHL. The, the, honestly, the NHL has done radical realignments more than anybody uh and that was because the players complained about the travel yeah i think that's when the league does expand um i'm not sure if they'd wait for two teams or four teams i don't know um uh, oh, but I, this... I, I do i do think when there's expansion it will be there there's going to be another realignment um, and listen man if you want if you're if you're if your goal is to uh is to go worldwide yeah you you best damn well adopt my style my 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 plan here where you stay at a city for five games for five games and then you have a travel five games in paris how about that five games in london i know that's that's like sacrilegious but if the idea is to go worldwide and it's to expand yeah this would be the model to capture everybody round robin we, regular season we, we've had a few series in london the last couple of years though haven't we um like the yankees yeah, and red yeah. sox went over there um, yeah, yeah I, I follow a lot of uh, UK baseball people on Twitter. They're really good. They're really good folks. Okay. And they are just like so, when MLB TV kind of uh, snuck it under from them that you weren't going to be able to watch the playoffs on MLB TV, which it they've been able to the last five years or however long. Um, and then they change at the last second that they'd have to pay for like their local cable or uh, sports package that carries American sports over there. And people went nuts. Oh yeah. That's, and, that's um, a bad move. Yeah. And it's, it's, there is a market over there. There really is. And yeah. uh, like I said, I interact with them every, every now and then uh, shout out to, to Peter Pratt from UK Marlins might be the most optimistic person I've ever met um, as a Marlins fan. I mean, you, Marlins you fan, have to be, you have yeah, to be. He, he's, he's been, uh, <laughs> they've acquired Brian Reynolds about seven times by now uh, in Peter's head. Um, but it, it, and this week, and I gotta give him the extra shout out for this, but he was like, Brandon Nemo is really good. Surprise. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but but there is a back and forth, though. Just like baseball is big over there, uh, guess what? The English Premier League is pretty damn big in the States, yep. too. So it, I think if you're going to do this, you got to do it right. You can't just stick with the same plan. Like, oh, we're going to have the 162-game season. No, you, you got to shorten it and expand the playoffs or something. Make it. I don't know. You, you got to give something. You got to give the people what they want. You got to give something that the people are going to be interested in. And like I said, and it's a good point you make as well that that these these uh, federations, these big sports entities, they change the rules a lot for the sake of improving the game. You know what game doesn't change a lot whatsoever? Soccer. Soccer yeah. And guess what? Guess what? VAR, VAR, VAR. Even they have implemented some technology into their sports, so nothing stays forever. Hey, they've, that, they've evolved it. According to Dodgeball, it used to be human heads. 
<laughs> that's a lot of evolving it just took it longer <laughs> well if you want to go if you want to do evolving of style of play i mean what with the english team for the world cup uh they were uh applauded for trying to implement some um what the hell is it called some basketball plays into their set pieces where pick where, where picks were being set up for to free up certain players so they can get easy goals. Uh, so that was that was a, the big talk. So there's already some change. It's slow, but it's changing. If soccer can change, my thing is if soccer can change, anything a, a game, can. Anything can, because soccer is, that that change, that evolves like molasses. Anyway, we can talk about this all game long, all day long, but I got to get going. Yeah. Sean, any last words from you before I let oh, you go? No, it's been another good weekend. Love it. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Uh, award show. You ready? I know Austin did his awards last, uh, last uh, yesterday, not last night, yesterday uh, live. I'll have to check that out, see who he picked, compare and contrast a little bit. But we got the big award show coming next Sunday, uh, I think, because, or I don't know. We'll see. Maybe if not mm-hmm. next Sunday, the pr- next Sunday, then Sunday after that, because uh, World Series should be over by then, right? I think that's yeah. how it works. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Anyway, we'll, we'll discuss some more. For Sean, I am Felipe. We'll see you later. Adios, guys.